Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Vonheim and you're listening to the BIN podcast. Simply the podcast for those who want to learn from the very best in business, tech and entrepreneurship. Let's start the show. Ronald Weister has over 30 years of experience in the investment world and he has held a number of top positions at APG since 2006. In this episode, we discuss why Ronald started working in finance, how he has built APG to give maximum return to shareholders, his global leadership philosophy, and how he reflects on the macro situation globally, and what risks he sees going forward for investors. Let's start the show. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Super happy to have Ronald on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to join. Thank you. Can you tell us about your first memory in finance? How old are you? And what did like spark your interest in finance or business maybe? Ooh, that's a difficult question. I, I, uh, when I was young, I wanted to become an astronaut. Uh, so uh, space travel was the thing I was in. And it was not the time uh, that I really thought, well, I want to become an investor. Maybe uh, initially I, I did some uh, administration at home and uh, looked a little bit into my then uh, very small personal savings. And, and then gradually, I think I developed a bit of interest in how you could uh, grow that more rapidly than just put it in a savings account, because that tends to, I think it was a, it was still a time where you had this small paper booklet, uh, and then you would go to uh, a bank office and uh, put some of your savings on your bank account, and they would put a stamp on it and say, well, you have saved then guilders in the Netherlands, uh, 10 or 20 guilders more, and then you could see it in the booklet. I think that raised a certain interest because uh, it grew rather slowly. Uh, So so, yeah, I wanted to go (laughs) there to make it grow faster. And and, then maybe that triggered some of the interest in investing. But I think it did not, uh, uh, my real interest in in investment management did not really materialize uh, in a significant way until uh, my university studies, uh, where I um, entered into uh, the uh, finance and investments area of my study, and uh, then uh, wrote a uh, a paper, a final assignment paper about uh, big bank changes in the London Stock Exchange. I was a member of an investment uh, community, uh, well, like a, a student community, a small student uh, association group that, that was investing. So that's when I really became interesting, uh, interested in investing. Yeah. Is it fair to say that the young Ronald will probably work for SpaceX or Blue Origin because it's happening so much interesting stuff in space exploration and space travel? Do you follow that industry because you're curious about space exploration or not? Well, not 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 that close. Uh, I think it was a little bit like a kid plant, and uh, it, it, it soon uh, it became clear that that would not uh, be my thing. But I'm still interested. Actually, uh, scientific articles about discoveries, uh, what is happening recently. I think uh, there was an article about uh, a black hole swallowing a star and uh, resulting in sort of a spaghetti-like pattern. Uh, and, and that these kinds of articles I, I still uh, I still follow. And sometimes I uh, 
well, maybe when, when we're on vacation or so, I sometimes read, uh, read some books and articles and then well, we do have a telescope and we do sometimes look uh, into the sky with my, I have children that are maybe a bit too old now to be really interested, but uh, they still, they're still living at home. So uh, yeah, I do a bit, a bit of that. Maybe, maybe yeah. different times would, would mean that, maybe it would mean a different choices, yeah, who knows. Yeah. Super interesting. I also yeah. read an article that you can, there's unlimited amount of gold in the universe. So you can, if that's the true, like that will have something to say on the gold price. I will not go into that just yet, but when you decided to become an investor, how does that thought process looks like? Because you can easily end up in BCG, McKinsey, etc. Or did you have the investor mindset after university and you pursued only investing or did you do consultancy like a lot of other people do? I, I did not. I, I, I was um, during my university days, I did a little bit of consultancy, which was, uh, but one, one should not compare that with uh, BCG or, or McKinsey. There was a little bit of a, a student setup, but uh, I think some others did as well. It was a bit common in universities. So with a small group of, uh, of students, we offered our services to mid-sized, small and mid-sized companies that could not afford uh, the McKinsey's and BCG's of this world. And we offered some consultancy there, but, but uh, I didn't go for, to a consultancy firm first. I had, uh, like I said, I had already developed some interest interest in uh, investing, but I was had not had not made firm choices yet. Uh, I looked in the banking sector. Actually, I also had conversations with the uh, Dutch Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs uh, to become a, a part of the diplomat class. And like I said, I, at the time, I'm the final days of my study, I was uh, studying in London School of Economics, working on the, the, the paper about big bank changes uh, and uh, working a little bit more like internship uh, assignments in, in investment related companies in the city. And that's where I, I think that that interest in investments then I, I worked in uh, commodity trading a bit, uh, credits research, uh, and uh, moving a bit into equities already. Uh, so that that's where it further developed. And then uh, after a couple of years of doing that, uh, a firm, Robico, still exists in the Netherlands, a mid-sized in, in, uh, asset manager. They uh, rang me and say, "Would you want to join us as a uh, as an equity portfolio manager?" So that I, I had jobs before. Uh, I worked with combined with my LSE studies. I worked in the London City two to three years. In but those jobs you would call more like internships or or first jobs, junior jobs. And my first real job was uh, portfolio manager equities in uh, at Robico. Yeah. Super interesting. I know this is a big question, but let's start answering it. What defines a great investor? What qualities and what competence do you look for if you're hiring an investor? And I know, of course, it's sector-based, etc. But can we be a bit generalistic at the start and then dig our way down? Yeah. Uh, well, I think a real investor should be... Uh, I think should 
be able to withstand uh, pressure in many ways. I should have a strong opinion. Uh, I said maybe a bit stubborn even. Uh, be aware of different perspectives one can have. Uh, be sometimes aware of uh, go against uh, you could a good investor sometimes goes with the trends but also sometimes goes against the trend so i think you should be uh, self-assured uh relaxed uh open-minded uh a global uh perspective a bit competitive probably uh, when it's this is not only I, I, I don't believe in star cultures that much. So we've always, and also in my, my current job, we, we, we believe in a team approach, but still uh, you need to uh, have some competitive pressure in the team to be able to uh, get the good results and sometimes uh, be able to, to beat the market. And, uh, that's also part of our job. Leading to access returns. So competitive is, I think, an, uh, an element. Uh, very analytic. Uh, ability to see and uh, look through things uh, rather quickly, uh, be able to, from a big amount of information, uh, digest that, that extract the elements that do really uh, that do really matter. As many interests, uh, many sectors actually are quite simple. Uh, I wouldn't say all, but many are quite simple if you if you know which things you should look for. And people make it sometimes very complicated and then come up with lots of information. Reading a research report, you sometimes don't know why things matter. And so you could look for the things that really matter, that really makes a business successful or not successful. Can, can we break down the an analytic part? Because is it in your mind very important to be good in math and history and to deliver extremely well-structured Excel sheets? Or do you mean analytical in a broader sense that you maybe don't know all the numbers, but you have the imagination to see and forecast and see the trends? Because I think some people get scared because they don't like Excel. They can't become an investor. How do you stand on those like issues or myths? I think it's mainly the latter. Uh, so being the, the ability to uh, have a, a new creative perspective, combine things, uh, look at the, the broader picture, uh, deduct the most relevant information. Though I think a, a good uh, investment professional does have a little bit of a, a, a broad skill set. Uh, so I think mathematical knowledge is important and, and relevant. But also, some I mean, you mentioned history, which is a good example. I think it's it, it is rather important to know uh, what happened, even about uh, stock exchange crashes or things. Things have often happened before, maybe in a slightly different uh, way, but uh, many things have been so. Also, history and also world history, I think, uh, uh, plays a role. And one should realize uh, when you're young entering into a business usually you do a little bit more of spreadsheet labor not only but then 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 afterwards of course there is some years of getting experience i remember that as a young portfolio member, uh, manager uh, we used to uh, there was no we're now talking a lot about alternative data uh, but that was the time that uh, the normal data from annual reports was not readily available or often in a way uh, accountants present it. And the way accountants present data, that's not always 
actually I would even say usually not helpful for investors because you don't see any trends from that. So we need to needed to do cleansing of those data. And we, uh, my group of new portfolio managers, were the new generation of investors then, where we would apply a statistical methodology, uh, uh, building algorithms, uh, cleansing of the data, uh, ways of approaching like economic value added. So it was a more scientific approach towards asset management than before. When I joined, which was late uh, 1980s, early 1990s, uh, it was before people were gossiping a lot, uh, talking a lot to each other over the telephone, try to benefit from earlier access to information than, than others. So I was part of a new breed of portfolio managers then. And I, I firmly believe that these days for young entrants with of course artificial uh, intelligence and uh, alternative data, uh, ESG factors, new ways of analysis that, that indeed we see yet another new breed of uh, portfolio managers that, that are uh, growing up now. So Very I would compare that with, during, with my young age, but of course I, I'm not ready anymore to learn all of this again so i depend upon the young people to uh, to do all this <laughs> very, very interesting another yeah. question i don't know if you are leading 900 people around the world or the number is slightly different but a general question that i find very interesting should the best investor be the leader and ceo because normally you hire people until they're until they can't do their job because a leader is not an investor I understand you can be the CIO and CEO, but how do you view that? Because I think many firms do do the mistake of making the best analytical head the leader of a group, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, we employ. I I I like round numbers in a way. So I I say we roughly employ thousand people. I think if we uh, we are growing rapidly in the area of illiquid uh, investing, so I think we are approaching a uh, thousand uh, people. Um, and I do do not believe in, uh, like I said, in a star culture. I uh, uh, believe in team performance, and I uh, believe in uh, uh, delegation to the maximum extent possible. And so, it would be odd that I I, I was a CIO of my company now CEO, but suppose I was still a CIO. I would make all the investment decisions that actually that would lead to uh, inferior uh, results uh, because you don't you can't have the expertise in all the areas. So we hire specialists, well paid, uh, well educated specialists that can spend most of their time looking at the investments they need to make. Even already, the time spent uh, matters. Uh, if the CIO uh, has only uh, so many uh, working hours, so he can, can't look at all the things. But also, I think the specialization is important. So, believe in the, uh, believe in delegation. Of course, it's still relevant for a CIO or a CEO to be involved with investment decision. I would not plead for. Uh, hiring CIOs without any investment knowledge. No, you should be able to challenge people, coach people, maybe uh, as an exception, make certain investment decisions that go against some of the insights uh, that relate to the team, but particularly as you're already leading a little bit uh, the, the suggestion, uh, it's also about people management skills, right? It's, it's about uh, motivating the team, 
so it's 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 that's a, a very important element of your job. Yeah. Yeah, like like a perfect analogy. You don't want <laughs> the coach to go outside and play the football game. You want no, the coach no. to motivate the players. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you want Arsene Wenger running around trying to kick the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Can 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 we can you talk a bit about the general landscape and maybe Europe is the easiest place because of course many of the listeners know the Norwegian oil fund. I would not like to compare you and say you're the same, but there are similarities. Can you sort of paint the picture of the pension funds and also introduce maybe the concept of a pension fund type of model? Because I'm not sure everyone knows it. So oh, if we can keep it easy, so. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, actually uh, APG is is to a large extent uh, comparable with uh, with the oil funds uh, in a way that we uh, we. The two of us belong to what we would call the the asset owner group, where formerly us as APG are not asset. We are a bit of a hybrid. Uh, we manage money on behalf of pension funds, and those pension funds are are very big pension funds that we stand very close to, and they're the actual asset owners. But because of the very strong partnership, uh, we have an asset owner mentality as well. And in that sense, I think we're comparable. Uh, with uh, some funds, uh, the oil funds, some funds in uh, in uh, Denmark and, uh, and Sweden, uh, some UK funds, but also with uh, uh, the Canadian pension funds, uh, GIC from uh, Singapore, GBIF from Japan, and together we are an asset owner mentality. And what characterizes us? Uh, Long-term investment horizon usually. Uh, strong interest in uh, uh, responsible uh, investing, uh, a, a bit of a value-driven uh, uh, nature uh, is, I think, important. Uh, certainly not uh, a sell-side mentality. Uh, we're not so much into marketing. Eh? It's mainly about the uh, the science, or maybe in R to a certain extent of investments, uh, that that uh, that matters a lot. Also, uh, a strong consideration of the purpose that you have. Uh, why are we doing it? And that would be, uh, of course, for the oil fund, also something that uh, leads to a lot of discussions in in Parliament. But for us, it also for maybe for us as pension uh, managers, a little bit more clear because we want to offer people a good pension. And so we have uh, our purpose is offering a lot of pension value, good pension in a sustainable world, we say. Uh, so it's clear if, if we make less return, people get uh, less good of a pension. Uh, but also for the orphan, I think it's important to think about the purpose that you have. Uh, and of course, it needs to be determined and discussed in Parliament when, how, when that will be used to the benefits of the Norwegians. That's, of course, uh, not for me to decide, but uh, but I think there's similarities around that. Yeah. But do you also get the phone call from the finance ministry that doesn't like that you hired a person that maybe have some no. interest to come? No. Okay. No. So no, it's that's good that you ask because <laughs> that's that is I would say fortunately not uh, not happening here. Uh, uh, the governance is 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 clear in the sense that we also actually are able to run a, a, a company. And there should not be any interference in the impact. You, you, you draw the analogy with sports. Uh, I'm uh, always saying, well, 
asked me to play any sport. I enjoy sports a lot, but don't change the rules during the game. I define the field that I'm playing in, set clear mandates, and then let me play the football or the hockey or whatever within, within that field. And, and uh, what we try to avoid, <clears throat> we sometimes have, of course, questions being asked in Parliament as well, but we should avoid that there's a direct influence on the investment decisions by politics or even by our clients. Uh, our clients, the pension funds, should, of course, uh, consider what they want. They are responsible for uh, setting and approving the asset mix, but afterwards, of course, it should be left in the hands of the specialists to uh, to manage within the mandate. And then, of course, the specialists report back and get assessed on how the results that are have been uh, been achieved. And when you run a company like me, you need to be able to select your own uh, your own people. I, I strongly believe in that. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense. Uh, time is going so fast, Ronald, but I think we have to spend a little, little bit of time on the macro situation because in my lifetime, I've never seen government print so much money so fast and I've never seen an environment that makes me bullish on Bitcoin because I don't know if we can print all the money in the world, where is the scarcity? And if the interests are negative and zero, where is the alpha? Where is the opportunities for a big fund like yourself? Can you explain the macro situation and why it's maybe harder than ever to navigate in these markets? Because it doesn't seem like we've been here before. And if we've been here before, maybe capitalism is the thing that's going to, to end, sort of. Yeah, of course, we almost will get philosophical here. Eh? Uh, and, and I will start saying that, uh, of course, one will always say that we are now in a situation that we have not seen before and and uh because we always have the benefit of hindsight so of course it's now easier to explain uh why stock markets went up so much in the 90s or what caused uh, the credit crisis and after the fact it's always easier to explain now we're in the midst of a situation and then you always say it's such an extreme situation how would we deal with it Having said that, I would agree with you that is is uh, not a usual situation, and uh, I think you already start analyzing the situation to to a certain extent. What is difficult is that, of course, for different reasons than supporting uh, asset markets, financial markets, that's of course what happened since uh, uh, the end of the credit crisis initially. A lot of monetary support was offered and that was uh, prolonged and prolonged and, and actually we're still in a situation that there is a lot of monetary support. Now, uh, since the COVID crisis also uh, combined with fiscal support, before there was a little bit of that, but actually there was some complaining from many parties, maybe also some from some investors that uh, governments should take over some of the uh, support to uh, get us to uh, 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 do sustainable economic growth, but now it's it's caused by, of course, the crisis. That now we have a combined support function, both fiscal and and monetary. And one could then say, in the short run, that's good news, and that's why if, we, if, if I think many of your audience will probably know, but. Uh, when I talk to, to friends that are not in this business, they, they are surprised that uh, uh, year to date, the return numbers of our pension fund clients are positive. 
and they go, huh? well, what has happened? We have a, a COVID crisis. How can that be positive? Uh, so in the in the short run, this is leading to strong support uh, for financial markets, uh, which is also somewhat explained by a different factor that we may talk about later: is the K-shaped recovery. But but, but there is this 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 uh, uh, support. But in the long run, one would of course worry: is there any exit? And uh, how can uh, central banks move out and uh, diminish the monetary support? And we're not that far, of course, on the fiscal side. But if this continues, also governments would maybe need to offer too much support, which is leading to, and nobody talks the, about this anymore, but increasing debt levels. And actually before, uh, the debt should be moved down. And now we've uh, forgotten about it. So that, that creates a difficult situation. Markets prices are rich indeed. Uh, if you look at the... Uh, all of the support, low interest rates, uh, strong stimulus leads to high valuations. So it's difficult to find uh, interesting investment spots. And where do we find those? Uh, of course, there, there are certain segments of, of the markets. And I, I, that's why I talked to Keisha, because there are certain sectors that are benefiting from the situation. And those could be even the valuations are rich, could still be interesting. There's also parts in the illiquid markets of uh, valuations dropping a lot. So you could go, uh, pick up valuable assets, certainly in certain elements of real estate. That's uh, some, and it's always what is a good price, but uh, of course some hotels and uh, uh, some uh, shopping centers could start to offer a reasonable value. Uh, there are certain areas of markets that are not uh, being given a lot of attention yet. Huh? Certainly, the alternative alternative credit space, some of the emerging markets, that certain segments of the emerging markets offer offer value. But it it is it is uh, harder to find good investments. Uh, is that unique? No, but uh, it is to a certain extent special and and what worries me is indeed that there's so much support not directly aimed for the support of financial markets but as a side effect offering that support and in that sense we sometimes wonder are we not uh, have we not become part of the uh, financial and economic system uh, and are we uh, not influenced too much by the the macroeconomic situation Makes sense. I, I want to touch upon some points. Can we start with a central bank? Because some of the issue from my reading is that at the start, it was only about managing inflation, right? You don't want to buy bread next week and the bread cost $1,000 compared to $100 maybe. But then the government said, okay, central banks, you're also responsible for job creation or like you have to need, you have to stimulate, you have to put stimulus to the economy that we can have job growth. But then the central bank has an issue because those two are a bit trade-offs, at least at the beginning. But then I don't know if the inflation today is just like a theoretical misinterpretation that there's no, not a big danger for inflation because the money supply is so big. So if you take Japan with deflation, is that really a problem? Or are you really considering the possibility that all this money printing will lead to 
a relative big inflation that can hurt the value and the assets and the economy? Well, of course, the risks are increasing, but the background effects are so strong that the, that um, uh, the risk for an inflationary spike is, is relatively low. And when you mentioned Japan, of course, demographics are uh, a big factor uh, le pleading against uh, inflation expectations. And demographics, of course, it differs per a region and per country. But demographics in a large part of the world are, of course, uh, moving against inflation. And so, uh, uh, so that that is something. And also now, economic circumstances are not uh, really supporting in inflation. So, but it is always a worry. Uh, of course, there is uh, one could think of a situation that. Uh, uh, a way to move out is all of a sudden there's a quick recovery, but still uh, a high uh, uh, debt government. Then there may be an incentive also for governments to benefit a bit from uh, from inflation. Uh, and maybe uh, central banks, banks are not, because they have used all of their toolkit for different things. They may not be able to do uh, sufficient, take sufficient measures to prevent it. But I think the uh, possibility is relatively low. And you say, is, I think central banks are still, I actually wonder about the opposite. I think still, when we talk to uh, central banks, they always talk a lot about inflation, uh, why it's not there, why it has already grown a bit, uh, what do they expect? So I think it stands still pretty central to, to what they they do. Uh, of course, it should be avoided that you get political influence on central banks. And I think one could be a bit cynical, but I think to a large extent that is still okay. And then the question becomes, have, has the role, the role of central banks uh, uh, changed in nature a little bit in a sense? Are we uh, you say the, that goal is fight inflation. Is the goal now not manage uh, manage the background effects for our economy uh, a bit? And, and I think, to be honest, uh, there, there is a little bit of that. Uh, so the the role has become somewhat broader. Is that negative? Should one complain about that too much? For now, I think it's 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 okay. Uh, they still have the inflation target in mind. I think they're still aware. Uh, of it, and uh, uh, if we can afford political influence uh, from uh, from standing in the way of, of acting, I think it's okay. I agree, but I don't think you should add on, like we do in Norway, that the central bank also should be worried about the real estate market, because then you have... No. <laughs> okay. No, it's it should definitely not be... And, and one that's why I added the word cynical, uh, one could sometimes think, um, did did we go too far? Maybe already in the credit crisis, huh? it was eventually not in, in supporting the economy. Was not uh, the indirect effect of supporting certain sectors of financial markets was that not going uh, going too far? Maybe. And indeed, if you have a direct call, let's uh, uh, keep real estate prices high. That that should not. Uh, and that's that's not the way it should work. 
Agree. Can we talk a little bit about the broader macro picture? Because the narrative is very easy. US is going down and China's going up because of the free trading world we created. So it's very easy to see if you simulate free trading, the country with the largest amount of population and their politic, uh, their political mindset makes it very easy for them to outgrow US in terms of growth because it compounds much faster. Is that the only narrative that it's correct? Or do you see some alternative views on the next 10 years in the global economy? What kind of shifts can we see? Because to fix US with either Trump or Biden seems I've lived there and it seems very hard to do that in four years. Well, of course, you ask. Actually, I tend to agree to the narrative, so I, I, I am a believer in in China, uh, and I, I see the negative sides of China. So let's let's not forget about that. But I am a bit. We we have developed uh, many ways to invest in in China. Uh, so I, I I see the main narrative. I, if you ask me, are there also other uh, possibilities? Uh, one 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 uh, other narrative is is uh, along the route of sustainability. Uh, so one could say that uh, that could have a factor. Actually, Europe Europe is has an alternative there. Uh, tends to uh, be leading the ways towards sustainable growth. If that becomes uh, the world norm, it could lead to a somewhat different perspective and uh, some changes. Uh, Changes in the uh, economic success of countries. One, a traditional alternative way of thinking is, of course, uh, techno uh, technological breakthroughs. Uh, though uh, we we are aware that uh, uh, China has stepped up and is now becoming very competitive in many uh, uh, technological technological areas as well. One could still be see that that in certain areas the US has still a, a bit of a benefit there if, if we have a, a certain technological breakthrough even going further than today that could also lead to shifting back a little bit from uh, from uh, from the, the Chinese brand I think an alternative view is also uh, that all of this, China may not being accepted as a world leader by many. Uh, U.S. focusing on themselves, uh, Europe uh, not being able to offer a real alternative. Uh, that you get this this blocks uh, that it become uh, we lose uh, global perspective even more. I think there there's been some opposing factors to it already in the last couple of years, but that could go a lot further, and we could become uh regional blocks again uh with also certain uh parts of the world that need to cooperate collaborate with with one of the leading blocks so can you can also... you put africa in that equation just to finish yeah. it up yeah yeah africa would be uh, of, of course by itself would probably not uh have a viable perspective but they could partner with one of of, of the other blocks uh, so that's of course and also uh, if you, if you uh, think in conspiracies, as have the, the, and, and maybe rightfully so, huh? this is the could be the Chinese strategy that's often talked about. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, when, yeah. when China wants to build the airport in Greenland, you don't have to use yeah. your imagination. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, can we also talk a bit about, since I'm a representative of Norway, should I be worried that strict limitations on the investment strategy is a bad thing because this climate could need that you go more into private, you go more into illiquid assets and the strategy that everyone, the narrative is that stay in the index fund and don't do anything stupid. But the problem with that is that it's like, I wouldn't call it stupid capital, but it's very dead capital. So if you're in an index, you don't really decide what to do, right? Because the index will take care of, the, of itself. But the narrative in Norway, at least, is that you should never trust a high paid fund manager because he can close down the fund and he's well paid off anyway, and he doesn't have any skin in the game. So I think the gen general sense in the population is that don't waste time on hiring expensive fund managers when you can just sit passive in the index fund. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I do believe in active investing, uh, but uh, one could indeed, uh, uh, we have seen uh, relatively good success, I think, from passive investing. So there have not, not been lots of reasons for people to, to, to question that. Huh? But I could point to the fact that uh, for many of the propositions we offer, which is true for some others, we can prove that we've been able to do better uh, than the market, but if you approach that on a macroeconomic perspective, you you lose out on that. Eh? You see, you get back to a similar uh, performance as passive investing, and including costs sometimes even to a lower performance. And I think uh, you asked about restrictions, and that probably is the explanation for that. Maybe there's there's indeed too many investment restrictions to avoid. Uh, the active investor from really benefiting from the possibilities that the passive trend offers. I think theoretically it should offer many opportunities uh, to benefit from uh, uh, passive behavior, uh, to be expected uh, inclusion into into benchmarks, uh, going uh, investing in things that have already grown in in, in value. So it offer should offer many opportunities. Maybe. Uh, uh, good investment people don't have the opportunity to benefit from that fully because of some of the restrictions that uh, that are out there. Take real so, estate. It's a great example of that. Yeah. Real estate. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to get exposure if you don't have a lot of capital, but a normal yeah. person should be able to take benefit yeah. of a real estate market. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, like I said, I uh, depends on. Uh, Back to the discussion, where do you draw your uh, your playing field? I, I, I think you should make it a relatively broad and not too restricted, uh, because also lots of values to, to be found between asset classes, even the simple fact, and of course it makes things uh, better to understand, but it, you, you often talk, yeah, you mentioned real estate, but there's so many ways that you can get exposure to real estate. Yeah. So there are different segments that you could be equity-like, take equity risk, you could take debt risk, you could take mezzanine risk in, in, in real estate. Uh, there's logistics, there's uh, residential, there's, there's offices, uh, there's uh, shopping centers, uh, uh, hotels, and, uh, if you give someone a, a mandate to invest in a hotel 
equity like uh, Norway, uh, you restrict it very much, and maybe there's a lot more uh, value to be found if you make the mandates a bit broader than that. So. One hundred percent. Yeah, I wrote an analysis, Ronald. I don't know. I will try to to explain the analysis, and you can say if it's a good or bad analysis. It's about maybe your biggest issue in your job. So I, I will try. Uh, we live in a world where people get a lot older, right? So people live longer. We don't have... So basically the population will collapse at some point. People think we have a problem with it increasing. But if you forecast to, I don't know, if it's 2050, you'll have a collapse because people don't get so many children anymore. So you end up with a population which is very old and not so many young people coming after. Of course, Africa and some other countries are different because of religion. But still, let's take Europe for an example. So you also have technology that means that many jobs will go away. Of course, they can be replaced, but maybe it will go faster this time. So you have a lot of people that doesn't understand tech can be outside of jobs. That's why we have this like universal basic income discussion all the time, because we're afraid that so many people will fall off. So then if I come to you, then you are responsible for the pension funds, right? but you also want to have some risk in that portfolio. So you don't want to say like, I have X amount ready all the time because you want to use that X amount to increase, right? So you have to take some risk and with risk usually comes volatility. But if you have an environment where the people need the money all the time, it's hard to accept volatility on your behalf if you need that volatility to increase the money and the pension. So how would that scenario play out if suddenly there are more restrictions regarding volatility because we need the money to either pay universal basic income or people need to be sure that they have the money they have in the pensions right mm -hmm. actually it's it's a, a, a quite uh, important question these days in uh, in the netherlands because we are moving to uh, and that will only happen in five years or six years' time. But we are moving to a new pension contract where the investments remain to be collective, uh, but the uh, uh, entitlements will be seen into individual euro amounts. And then uh, the annual re uh, returns, or even in between, will be allocated towards certain age groups, age cohorts. So you will see uh it's growing or dropping by a certain return and that's a need for people uh that are not used to uh investment market volatility uh so what that's that's what you mentioned and indeed it's when you're not used to volatility it's hard to handle uh which could least lead to uh becoming more and more risk averse uh and and if you're not careful end up with uh, only treasury and government related investments uh, that that yield nothing uh, and then you're back to uh, close to zero returns if the situation stays the same or even negative returns if interest rates start moving up again and then maybe you will regain it after it's moved up and you get a certain yield again but but in the short 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 and medium term run this will uh, this will uh, be hard um so I think it, it, it I, I think it's good that you remain uh, uh, to setting a collective uh, investment approach. I, I 
although I, I understand that people like to see their own, uh, their own money, and that's what we're offering, I think it's still good to benefit from, uh, from collective investing. Uh, so I think you should continue to do it, uh, do it that way. A uh, lot of what you said is very philosophical. And so one could have, of course, one of the main factors for, for economic growth is, uh, is uh, growth in demographics. Uh, so if, if dem demographics are changing, uh, becoming more productive, that will have an element uh, that will affect the investment returns. It will be very gradual though. Uh, and, and, and also it's always, one can also always worry about certain things in the future and you will always find out that it's different when you reach that, that point in time. So I would not spend too much time uh, in uh, analyzing the demographics in 50 years. Who, who knows, who knows what, what, what happens. We also know that there's not, and that's, that's what we're reminded of in these days, that there's not a one-on-one -on -one correlation between the growth in capital and the growth in the real economy. Uh, of course, there's some sort of a link, uh, but the whole uh, Piketty analysis is, is, of course, that one can grow a lot with, without the other growing a lot. And there's truth in that. Uh, so there is, of course, some sort of a link, uh, companies uh, benefiting from economic growth, but there's not a one-on-one -on -one link. So that's also a factor to take into account. I mean, that's so important because, okay, I can sit down and forecast the population growth on the planet the next hundred years, but given the the um, the growth in, in the space industry, who knows where we send people, yeah. right? And then you have like, okay, I forecasted population collapse on the earth. But if you have people in the space, like, does it really matter what I forecasted on the planet, right? Oh, that, that's a very good observation. And, 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 and of course, for now, this may look silly. Huh? So, uh, uh, of course, one could even frown upon uh, the plans to uh, start inhabiting Mars because it will be such a hassle. Uh, yeah, it's possible to, to live in an oxygen, oxygen bubble and maybe you will be able, be able to unfreeze the, uh, the ice that is found somewhere, but it seems such a hassle that, that well, maybe it's nice for some people, but, it, but mm, of course, many times in the past, we have frowned upon certain technological uh, developments. So indeed, I think uh, one should, uh, I, I, I would not underestimate what could happen there. But, but and also to, just to add on that, we can also build cities in the ocean, right? We have 70% of the planet is ocean. And I know Peter Thiel is working on those projects. So let's not be like, things can happen. But time is going so fast, Ronald. So just a couple of questions, maybe with short answers. Um, young people that are listening to this, what should they focus on if their dream is to become an investor and work with that as a job? Because it's a privilege to have a job where you're paid to understand the world and put money into that philosophy, right? So it's not, it's not a given that people that are interested in investing will end up becoming a professional investor like you. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's good to be aware of all the things you can do and make use of it. So of course, one always makes the mistake. And then of course, I also did to a certain extent to only uh, start to understand how much potential you have when you're young, when you've reached the age that uh, that that use has gone. So 
make use of the of of this time to to do things. I sometimes I I like a lot uh, uh, caring about the world, caring about sustainability, caring about relations that I see in young people. I sometimes worry a bit or would uh, encourage to uh, keep. Uh, your motivation going, keep caring, keep going for some time. Sometimes I see young people maybe settling too much into a certain uh, perspective. Uh, this, this is all not going well uh, and uh, well, okay, we want to make it better, but okay, what are, what is your action going to be? Uh, I'd like to see, continue to see some uh, motivation, enthusiasm, action potential for young people. So. I think you have the resources available to to start working on things. So let's do so. Just just uh, since you mentioned sustainability, because I think this equation makes sense. Because the, in the history, the equation is that the more you use the nature, burning fossil fuel, for instance, the better the economy you get in countries, right? So it's they're tightly linked: sustainability and economic growth. So. The narrative is that sustainability is the most important thing in the world. And I agree because right now we only have one planet, but we can't skip the fact that if you need to have, if you want economic growth in a country, you usually have to use the nature in some kind of way. You need to use the resources you have available. For some it's oil, for us it's fish, for instance, and salmon, but it's hard to get a country to flourish without using the environment you're given. Can you explain to people why we need to view this? It's a bit more complex than you read in the newspapers, right? Because of course, ESG is a very important and good trend and you've been good spotting it, but we, we don't have to make it sound dumb and silly that if you, if you like sustainability, you will have great returns, right? Uh, it, of course, not only by sustainability, you get great returns. So we believe in an integral approach uh, where we as, as an investor, if you have more variables to use to assess whether an investment is good or not, uh, the better it is. So we take into account the uh, financial elements and take into account the uh, uh, ESG factors as well. And by that, uh, one, can, uh, one can assess, is this a good uh, investment uh, or not? And so we, we, we do the both. And then there was an element maybe in your question that yeah started. yeah because in history uh, fossil fuel is a great example so the richest countries today use their fossil fuel norway is a great example right so it's very easy for norway to say stop with coal mining stop with xyz but that's a very bad strategy because we use the same strategy to get rich right and every person doesn't have to want to become super rich but they want to shower they want to use electricity they want a house you know what i mean so it's very easy to after the fact say don't use your nature be careful brazil with your woods and stuff but you have to remember that the countries that are rich today usually use those resources back in the days yeah but but one could uh, motivate it to use it to use it well I, I think in too many occasions we are using it in a way to get abundant too soon uh, so that the one all everyone may know the the examples of uh, light bulbs for instance uh, you, those at one time were made to break down rather 
soon, uh, rather quickly. And and maybe also about my phone, I won't mention the brands, but uh, I, also my phone, of course, is being developed to break down uh, uh, in a couple of years' time. Maybe that is not not always necessary. And I'm not I'm not one of those 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 people saying that we. The only way you can create sustainability is by uh, negative economic growth. That's not what I'm saying. I, I still want. I'm still in the camp of positive economic growth, but I think uh, one should carefully consider uh, how to use the resources that you have uh, to get some growth going. I, I clearly uh, believe in technology, new possibilities. We said space could be an example, but there could also be other possibilities. Uh, uh, there are many interesting possibilities to uh, get uh, to produce energy, and and maybe indeed one should stop picking on fossil fuel in the past. That plays its role. Uh, we we also not did not blame our. Uh, a long ago, uh, ape man like predecessors are saying that they use use wood to make a fire. Uh, one should also put something in the in the context of the time. But I think it's now time to come up with new alternatives to produce energy, and that's just, that's true for many fields. One hundred percent agree. We're yeah. closing in, uh, Ronald. Thank you so much. I don't know if there anything you want to share with the audience. The conversation went fast, but do you have some life principles that have guided you that you could share just to end the conversation? Because you seem like a guy who's just been more, um, more as a caring about giving value, like learning stuff, sharing, and that that's like the journey, right? So is there yeah. something you can share just to sum it up, the conversation? Yeah, well, I find it very important to uh, remain authenticity, uh, be be open-minded. I have a very uh, scientific interest. Also in my young years, I, I did a lot of academic uh, uh, stuff. I think uh, be who you are, and uh, but, but also not, not, not start. Uh, being you, who you are could also lead to uh, being arrogant. Uh, so I know better. That's, of course, not uh, what you should do. Um, so you could say, well, I, I believe in certain things. I'm uh, authentic, but, but keep open-minded and, and listen to input. And then I think be patient. Uh, uh, do your thing. Uh, make use of the resources that you have, but uh, don't try to hurry too much. Uh, I, I always felt my career went, but uh, this was not like uh, a steep curve to gradually grow into a certain aspect and enjoy every stage before you know you're already thinking about retirement again. So uh, but be, be patient and let it happen and then enjoy. And then, of course, then when a new step comes uh, in, on your horizon, you should take it. Uh, not always worry about the next step already because then you never enjoy what you're currently doing perfect ending Ronald thank you so much for taking the time to join thank you that's nice hi everyone Christopher here again just a few things before you leave the show if you like this episode it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network if you want to get in touch with me Twitter is the place just go to at Chris You can also find this information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in to the next episode and take care.